Hello dear students, welcome back to the discussion of module 2 of the Shapers of Destiny Evolution of Literary Moments course. In this lecture, we shall be dealing with Richard I, the king who ruled England from the period of 1189 to 1199. Richard I, whose reign extended only for a short span of 10 years, was known as Coeur de Leon or Richard the Lionheart because he was one of the most bravest and most adventurous of Henry's sons. Richard I was the third son of Henry II, the king who inaugurated the line of Anjouan kings in England. Richard the Lionheart or Richard I, despite his bravery, had no administrative skill like his father and he neither were neither was he interested in ruling the country. His primary focus was on the Crusades or the Holy Wars, which were a series of wars which were fought in order to liberate the Holy Land of Jerusalem from the clutches of the Muslims. Going forward, assuming that you have an understanding of Holy Wars or the Crusades and the three wars that was part of the Crusades, we shall talk more about Richard's participation in the Holy Wars. Out of the three prominent Holy Wars that were fought starting from the 10th century, Richard I of England took part in the Third Crusades along with the crowned kings of Europe. Richard's valorous company were Philip Augustus, King of France, Leopold, Duke of Austria, Frederick Barbarossa, Emperor of Germany. Richard was a competent ruler at this time. He had superior military skills and he had experience in wars. His sense of honor, imagination, even in the cause of his enemies were all salutable remarks and characteristics. However, it did not completely match with their opponent, who was Sultan Saladin. In many sense, Sultan Saladin was a worthy opponent for Richard in terms of valor and virtue. However, Saladin possessed a great deal of wisdom and sensitivity, which Richard I did not have. But Richard, along with the powerful heads of states he had along with him, Coming together for the same mission of getting back the Holy Land would have defeated Saladin. When we understand Richard I's participation in Crusades or Holy Wars, we understand that a ruling of England was for him just a temporary or rather a convenient way in which he could fi finance his expeditions to the Holy Land. He raised enough money from England through revenue and then left for crusade. He took up the English throne in, 18, in 1189 and left for the crusade in 1190 with a fleet of 40 ships. Richard's fleet of 40 ships is understood as the first English navy to appear on Mediterranean. Richard, who actually was a brave and hardy soldier, was very tactless and headstrong. Therefore, he was not really a popular peer among his joint forces. Because of his nature, 
there were opinion differences between the heads of states who accompanied him from the other european countries for the holy wars their opinion differences were so vast that philip augustus and leopold left early before striking a blow while the crusades were happening and in some sense richard along with the other allies had a much depleted force when they finally met with sultan saladin so he had to be satisfied with the conquering of the city of acre and the capturing of another important town of arsuf and realizing that his fleet was not strong enough to defeat sultan saladin he enters into a treaty with sultan uh, where he is promising to come back with a better equipped army which never happens so in 1192 richards arrives at a truce with saladin and returns back to england but on his way he is captured by leopold the duke of austria the conflict between leopold and richard was so complicated that duke of austria leopold was waiting for a chance to pay back and teach richard a lesson and this resulted in richard's capturing after he was retreating from the mediterranean and leopold the duke of austria imprisoned richard one and demanded a payment of 150000 marks from england in order to release the king the people of england who was already excessively taxed were taxed again in order to get this ransom money to release the king but the king did not have time to rule england even after his return because during his absence when he went away to fight the holy wars his brother prince john had taken over his lands in normandy so as you may remember normandy is a place in france and he leaves england again and goes back and dislodges prince john from france from normandy to be specific when being a skillful soldier richard finds it very easy to win over somebody through the use of force but at that point he realized that it was philip augustus the king of france who supported the claim of prince john and set the stage for john's capturing of normandy and he feels that he should cause some trouble for philip augustus for doing the same but causing trouble for the king of france wasn't an easy task thus richard spent the rest of his life in a series of sieges and battles trying to teach philip augustus a lesson and in some sense richard's life ends like that without ruling england but engaging in different battles and he dies in one of the sieges that he leads against philip augustus the king of france which was in 1199 in siege of limoges richard meets with his death and the people of england very calmly accepts the death of their king because 
because he has been an absentee monarch interested only in the money which the kingdom gave which he could take and fight more for fight more was england's ruling was left in the hands of hubert walter the then archbishop of canterbury who recognized that the power of the country lies in the hands of the middle classes and the growth of the cities and towns are must most important for a country to grow and he granted charters of self government to many towns on the receipt of a good sum of money which also filled the coffers of the state each towns were ruled by elders or also known as aldermen and all these aldermen came under their chief who was called the mayor in fact the city of london was the first town or city to obtain the right to elect its own administrators and that makes the city of london the first corporation in this world there were juries who assessed the land for the purpose of taxation there were rural gentry or the knights for maintaining the peace in the land this local gentry had the privilege of electing four of their own people to be the justices of peace who in turn checked on the activities of the sheriff in the land archbishop walter in some sense established a lot of organization in england during the absence of richard 1 however archbishop was highly unpopular for he represented heavy taxes but as we understand richard 1's reign very closely we can deduce that it was not the archbishop's mistake that he had to charge heavy taxes it was particularly due to the king who viewed his country as a source of income but sadly since archbishop was in england ruling the people the people only saw him so richard the absentee king left the throne of england to king john his brother who as we discussed earlier tried to claim his power to normandy in the absence of his brother richard was an absentee king who was barely in his country and who was always away fighting wars and he met with his death also during a war however he was a much loved king by the people of england in contrast king john was rather an infamous ruler we shall deal more about the reign of king john in the next class thank you hello dear students welcome back to the discussion of module 2 of the shapers of destiny evolution of literary movements course this lecture is solely dedicated to discuss the historical event of crusades we learn crusades interconnected to the history of richard 1 of england who was an active participant in the third crusade as we have occasionally very briefly engaged with the idea of crusades and what it meant we shall discuss it in detail starting from the first ever crusade crusade that happened the crusades or the holy wars which can be translated to kurishyuddhangal in malayalam were 
a general name for a series of battles which together constituted a huge war that happened in the eastern mediterranean region which was aimed at recovering the holy land from muslim rule the christian rulers of the european countries came together answering the call of the leader of the holy roman empire that is the pope and fought to get back the holy land of jerusalem where as per christian mythology jesus christ was born so the background to crusades lies in the 6th century ad in 635 ad there was an arabian islamic wave in the mediterranean region this is the region where the europe and uh, asian continent uh, merges and by the 7th century the arabs started expanding their country by 10th century ad the arabs turned out to be a very powerful race but civilized and highly thriving because of their very efficient education system they had numerous universities they had flourishing cultural systems but around 1055 another group called seljuk turks who were identified as intolerant and rather uncivilized in comparison captured captured the city of baghdad the seljuk turks unlike the arabs were comparatively more aggressive so unlike the time period from 6th century ad to almost 10th century ad where the holy lands were still under muslim rule but they posed no threat to the people who were visiting or the christian pilgrims who were visiting the holy shrines in jerusalem and the nearby places but with the arrival of the seljuk turks the situation changed where the presence of the muslim rulers there became a challenge to the christian pilgrims many christian pilgrims were looted attacked brutally and violently harmed during their pilgrimage during that time the nearby powerful empire was the byzantine empire which was the last site of the holy roman empire which was the empire which was powerful prior to arabs taking the mediterranean region so there was this constant fear of the holy roman empire and the byzantine empire being attacked and all of this together created a very negative attitude towards the muslim rulers who existed around the place so a monk called peter the hermit called forth all the christian men to reclaim their holy land so this was the start of an uh, idea of christians fighting against the muslim rulers to get back the holy land which uh, they considered was their right so following this in 1095 the then pope named urban 2 announced the first crusade in the sermon at the council of clermont pope urban 2 was then the figurehead for the byzantine empire which was the last disintegrating symbol for the holy roman empire and since it was rather a spiritual conglomeration the military support for this empire was to be received from other european countries 
and Pope Urban II, in his sermon, announced that if the European Christians were to take part in this process of getting back the Holy Lands, they will have spiritual salvation, they will be absolved of all sins and he also propagated the idea of a mass ascension into heaven at Jerusalem. The first cruiser is an example of religiously and spiritualizing the idea of war. The war as to having a higher purpose which is more spiritually satisfying than the desire for physical power. The Christian meanings attributed to this call for war attracted so many European rulers, first of all, to, in hope to obtain the glory and the honor of winning a war. And also there was definitely a alluring factor of economic and political gain if they win this war and defeat the Turks and the Arabs. And also naturally considering the European uh, countries existed in a feudal system, there was a feudal obligation that could be satisfied, especially to the Pope, who was uh, the figurehead of all the European uh, kings, since he was the head of the Holy Roman Empire. So the first crusade happened in 1097, where Robert of Normandy captured Jerusalem from the Turks in 1099 this was a winning moment for the christians and but the second crusade happens in 1147 when louis 7 of france captures the rest of the holy land however by the beginning of the 12th century sultan saladin who was a muslim uh, leader renewed the weakened leadership among the Seljuk Turks. In 1187, he swept all the Christian armies and Jerusalem fell and one of the Christian kings named Guy de Lusignam was taken prisoner. Sultan Saladin gave a refreshing and renewing experience for the Seljuk Turks, winning back the lands of near Jerusalem and bringing it back under the Muslim rule. So the victory of Louis VII of France in the Second Crusade was paid back in the 12th century when Sultan Saladin took back all the holy land that the Christians had kept under their power. It is in response to Sultan Saladin that the Third Crusade happened where different kings of the different parts of Europe joined hands and joined forces to defeat Sultan Saladin and win back the Holy Lands. And the European kings who joined forces were Philip Augustus of France, Leopold the Duke of Austria, Frederick Barbarossa of Germany and Richard I or Richard the Lionheart of England. As we learned about the details of the Third Crusade when we explored Richard I's reign in England, we know that there was extreme opinion differences between these European leaders which led to continuous bickerings and fights. And two of the prominent leaders of European countries left before even the 
battle started. Both Philip Augustus and Leopold left the battleground, leaving Richard and a very few allies to fight with Sultan, Sultan Saladin. And this opinion difference also later turned into sore relations and constant battle against each other, which ended Richard I's life. In the Third Crusade, Richard I, who was known to be the brave soldier, despite being left with a very unbalanced army to fight a very wise and seasoned soldier called Sultan Saladin, still managed to besiege and conquer the island of Acre and also Arsof, a stronghold land of the Seljuk Turks. Even with the depleted forces, Richard I attacked Jerusalem and finally reached, got into a treaty with Sultan Saladin, which ensured that even though just Jerusalem would be under the Muslim rule, the unarmed Christian pilgrims and traders were to visit the city without any harm. So this treaty and the final truce between Sultan Saladin and Richard I of England happened in 1192, after which Richard I had secretly hoped that he will one day come back to Jerusalem and with a better fleet and take back Jerusalem to Christendom. But however, this secret wish was never fulfilled because the fate of Richard I was to die in another siege. So even though fate kept him away from winning back Jerusalem for Christian rulers, Richard I did contribute a great deal to the cause of crusade. That is to ensure that the Christian visitors, pilgrims and traders get to safely visit Jerusalem. When we talk about crusades, one of the most important concepts we should explore is the idea of chivalry. Chivalry was the most wanted feature of any soldier during the crusades. Chivalry meant multiple things. The first one was dedication to duty and the king. Another was a defense of the weak and feeble. Another was a spousal of truth and right. Another was sacrifice, one's life for Christian faith. These were the features of a chivalrous soldier. Such ideas of nobility, dedication to duty, desire to bring out truth and defense the weak and feeble and sacrifice one's own life for the sake of Christian faith were the concepts that was induced into the men's psyche to ensure that they dedicatedly spend their energy, spend their physical health and spend their lives to fight for a cause that was above them. The chivalry was the ideal of a knight during the Middle Ages, uh, in the end, during the Crusades. And the concept of chivalry is ever-present in literature, in songs, in poems, in dramatic monologues, in stories and there is a whole set of genre which is called chivalric romances which is set in the Middle Ages and about the knights who went around during the Middle Ages. 
so uh, these are the four features of chivalry i shall repeat the first one is dedication to duty and king second one is defense of the weak and feeble third one is espousal of truth and right and fourth one is sacrifice one's life for christian faith so these are the most important features of a chivalrous knight and you might be familiar with the term knight and knighthood uh, which is very uh, common in the middle ages as you know knight is actually the final position of a soldier's life and there are many many processes with which one becomes uh, a knight and receives full knighthood the starting stage of a person being a knight is when the person becomes a page so what all does a page do p a g e this is a young boy who starts on to become a knight so this young boy is made to wait at tables and do all the tasks around another knight this position is called page and after 10 14 years uh, he becomes at around the age of 14 years maybe he becomes a private assistant uh, and what this private assistant does is he accompanies the knight and serves the knight and learns all the techniques of the uh, knighthood along with the knight and the third and the last position which is received around uh, the age of 21 is full knighthood there is a ceremony wherein people are given knighthood and whoever who is faithful all to the all the ideas of knighthood and the concept of chivalry is given the position of knight this this knighthood ceremony is usually done by the duke or the ruler or the king himself depending upon the rank of the knight and the aristocrat under which the knight is working now that we learned about three crusades and particularly uh, in the british history the third crusade were more important due to the active participation of richard i of england we have to analyze what was the results of the crusades the first aspect that we are already familiar with during the reign of richard i is that england was excessively taxed to fund for the crusade so England did not have any primary impact based on the crusades however there was excessive taxation that they experienced because of the crusades however the exposure to the eastern empire and the rather flourishing arabic civilization brought in knowledge of the east and its luxuries and higher development to the west the place called venice which is known as the queen of adriatic adriatic is a sea is the european window to the east through this place the clothing materials like velvet muslin were introduced to the european market damas oranges dates were some exclusive fruits and eatables that were introduced to the west also rich fabric that were used in the eastern countries were also introduced 
during this time there was a sense of curiosity and a sense of adventure that was invoked in the people of the european countries in order to explore east further and this initiated sea travels and sea exploration so the war and the attempt to get back the lands of mediterranean or the lands of jerusalem and the eastern lands being war torn because of the wish of the western rulers to have free access to jerusalem was the the first step to a global english colonial enterprise the cornerstone or the base stone of this colonial enterprise which overpowered the whole globe started in or was laid in the 11th century itself this is the point where europeans or the western countries understood that the fight and the exploration in the name of god brought gold and glory with this we have a brief understanding of what crusades is with a particular emphasis of the importance and the impact of the third crusade in england as we are concentrating on the british history with this our class today ends we shall explore king john and his reign in the next class thank you